Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. The Bigger Picture with Ryan Huang. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the breakfast huddle. Time now for the bigger picture with Ryan Huang putting the spotlight on Hong Kong this morning. Yes, indeed. Hong Kong's leader Carrie Lam has outlined plans for a massive urban development on the border with China. It appears designed to ease the world's most expensive housing market. I understand the northern metropolis, it's called. Tell us more, Ryan. That's right. So this will house as many as 2.5 million residents or a third of the city's current population. It's part of a last annual policy address, which was on Wednesday. And this is all part of answering Beijing's call for the city to ease pressure on the housing market, which Chinese officials have been saying was one of the catalysts for the mass protests in 2019. And this means we could see more infrastructure projects in the coming years. To get a bigger picture, I've got Shane Oliver. He is the Head of Investment Strategy and Chief Economist at AMP Capital. Morning, Shane. How are you doing today? I'm good, Ryan. I hope you are too. I'm doing well. Let's look at what's happening in Hong Kong. Lots of policies being rolled out. We talked about the accommodation that's coming up in the northern part. That is a bit of a makeover there. We also have a proposed series of rail links between Hong Kong and Shenzhen. And also Hong Kong considering allowing southbound trade of mainland stocks denominated in the Chinese yuan. And also a big plan for addressing climate change that's going to be worth $30.8 billion over the next 15 to 20 years. So when you take everything into consideration, Shane, what does this mean for investors looking to go into Hong Kong? Well, on the one hand, it all looks uh, pretty positive. These are big moves. Um, there's also obviously partly, it's partly motivated by reducing the expensiveness of Hong Kong property. Uh, but it's also consistent, I guess, with China's broader policies of addressing climate change and reducing uh, carbon emissions. But I guess you also have to allow, at the end of the day, those risks regarding Hong Kong being more fully integrated into China are still there. On the one hand, you could argue this is what's happening here, it's part of the process, but that does put a little bit of uncertainty around investors that up to recently have seen Hong Kong as highly leveraged to China, Mm. but um, not as vulnerable to some of the risks around China. So that's just something investors have to bear in mind, even though I'd have to say these these moves overall are pretty positive for Hong Kong growth and development. Yeah. Shane, what is your current advice to investors right now in terms of exposure to Hong Kong and allocation there? Well, to be honest, I'd be a little bit cautious. There are those uncertainties regarding what uh, happens in relation to China precisely. I mean, it's, it's a good cyclical market. But by the same token, given the political risks around the area, it's probably wise to be a little bit cautious, particularly with the issues around the slowdown in the Chinese economy, uh, the issues around around property sector in China specifically. And some of that may impact the Hong Kong property market in the very short term. Yeah, the other headline, Shane, that catching my attention is the wild swings in energy prices, especially natural gas. Can you help us make sense of what's driving it there? I'm seeing gas prices jumping 60% over two days in Europe, and then this morning it's down 10%. What's going on? Well, there's a whole bunch of things happening here, of course. I mean, it's part of this, these concerns about supply globally, talk of supply constraints, bottlenecks and so on. But as Europe reopened, it led to an increase in industrial demand for gas. Uh, at the same time, Russia 
has been slowing its exports of gas to Europe. It's a bit of been unclear as to precisely why, why that is. Uh, I think they're trying to accelerate the opening of the Nord Stream mm. 2 gas pipeline that runs through the Baltic Sea. Bureaucracy around that could mean that it may not open till you know, maybe another six months. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, Russia wants to accelerate that. I guess there's also been ongoing tensions between Europe and Russia, so there are factors there. But we did get some good news overnight with Russia saying that these excessive prices don't necessarily benefit anybody and uh, they'll look at ways to increase supply. So that at least did see the European share market rally from the lows that it had. It was still down, still down 1.3%, but there was a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel there. Um, So it just goes to remind you that some of these worries which are causing gyrations in global share market do potentially have political solutions. Of course, the other one is the debt ceiling Mm. in the US, which looks like it's issues now going to be delayed for a couple of months. So there is a lot of politics around the things that are upsetting markets at present. And that can mean, on the one hand, a lot of volatility. We could still see some more weakness. But if the pressure gets too much, markets get too weak, then that obviously puts pressure on policymakers to change their politics and uh, try and fix the problem. Yeah, Shane, good point on the US debt ceiling. That seems to be really shaking up markets these days. And that is seeing investors going back and forth between technology stocks. Overnight, we saw them go back into FANG stocks. Uh, what's your take on going to FANG stocks right now? Is this the play when you look at what's going to be happening in bond yields? Well, to be honest, I'd still be fairly cautious about FANG stocks and technology stocks generally because the basic problem here is that in the world of very low interest rates, they rallied very strongly. They're seen as, I guess, high PE stocks and so they benefit when bond yields fall, but they are vulnerable when bond yields rise. We saw that earlier this year and we're starting to see that again in the last few weeks. So, Yes, there are some issues here around the debt ceiling and the supplier energy constraints and so on. Uh, But if the basic issue is one of global recovery with inflation concerns in the very short term, that probably means higher bond yields. And I suspect that means ongoing pressure on the very high price to earnings multiples of the FANG stocks and of tech stocks generally. So I'd probably Mm. be more inclined to tilt towards cyclical stocks that will benefit from stronger global growth like financials, like industrials, rather than the FANG stocks that are vulnerable to high bond yields. Yeah, cyclical stocks will be one to watch. And just to wrap things up, Shane, your view on what's happening in Japan. Over the past eight days, Japanese markets have been on an eight-day losing streak. It's actually pulling back from three-decade highs. What's actually weighing on sentiment there? You would expect a bit of a rally when there's a new prime minister in charge. Well, I think the ra- we did see the rally. The old prime minister said he would step down and then, then we moved towards an election of the LDP and that confirmed the new Prime Minister, which you could say is good, but the market rallied it initially in response to the old Prime Minister setting down, Sugar stepping down. That saw the market rally in anticipation of fiscal stimulus in Japan. Mm. And that occurred at a time when global markets were under some pressure. Then, of course, what's happened is we've got the new Prime Minister. We know he does favour more fiscal stimulus but it's a classic case of buy the rumour and then sell on the fact. The market rallied in anticipation of that. It was built in. And then suddenly the Japanese investors realised, well, the fiscal stimulus may still be a way off. And in the meantime, we've got all these concerns about global growth. Global share markets have come down and that's dragged, dragged the Japanese share market back down as well. Ultimately, I think that we will get more fiscal stimulus out of the Japanese share market. 
So once this pullback is over, we'll probably see pretty good gains out of Japanese shares. Yeah, we might see that soon. So far, it's up 1% this morning, pretty much in line with the rest of the region. We're chatting Shane Oliver. He's the Head of Investment Strategy and Chief Economist at AMP Capital. Shane, thanks for your time again. My pleasure, Ron. All the best. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.